You are listening to the OneOfUs.net Podcast Network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. for coming to this week's book club. I'm so excited that we're going through the classics. We got a Mr. Charles Dickens right here, you know, of the best of times, the worst of times, Marley was dead fame. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for the wine, Sarah. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Anytime. Hey, Doggett, we have to share the cheese cubes. Hello there, everybody. I am ex-prisoner Doggett's I am an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's get into it. I believe we are starting with the second chapter this time. My sister, Mrs. Joe Gargory, was more than 20 years older than I and had established a great reputation with herself and the neighbors because she had brought me up by hand. Dear London Gazette, I never thought this would happen to me. The day I learned what by hand actually meant. (laughs) It was a cold Christmas Eve and the holly berries were decorating the mantelpiece when Mrs. Joe Gargory motioned me into the bedroom going, you brought those devil berries into our house? You've been a naughty boy, haven't you, Pip? Hitting her riding crop against the desk. She beckoned me to crawl hands and knees, a gag in my mouth made of Yorkshire pudding. And when the riding crop hit my bare buttocks, I screamed at Wait, hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading the Maquis de Sade's version <laughs> of Great Expectations. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, I guess we're going to have to call this one short until I get the right copy. Anyway, hello, everyone. Yes, I am Mindy, the only one who hasn't introduced herself to this book club. And we are here reviewing the latest mini-series based on the classic by Charles Dickens, a FX production in collaboration with the BBC. And you can really tell the FX influence on this show. (laughs) It starts out with Pip jumping off of London Bridge into the Thames trying to kill himself. I mean, that right there tells you this is going to be a very different version of Great Expectations. So it follows the plot line of the book, kind of, in that at the very baseline, the events are the same for the most part. But it has a very interesting way of presenting them. And when I say interesting, it feels like the book was passed to the 14-year-old boy standing outside of Hot Topic with way too much eyeliner going, here, you turn this into a mini series." But I'm curious <laughs> as to what you folks think. I like this a lot. You know, I don't mind Great Expectations presented by Guy Ritchie. You know, (laughs) it's different. There's over, like, what, 15 adaptions of Great Expectations? Yeah, sure, I'll take grimy, dirty version. You can tell that Tom Hardy 
has his hands all over this because when it started, I'm like, oh, this looks just like Taboo, Tom Hardy's <laughs> FX series from a few years ago. But I could tell because it had the exact same look. David Lean, to me, made the best version of this so far from 46, and that was great, and anything else just kind of fails in comparison to me. I haven't seen any of the other versions of Great Expectations before this. Have you seen the musical version? I have not seen the musical version, because the musical version didn't do well, and so there aren't a lot of copies of it out there. But... The thing about this one that gets to me is just that Great Expectations has so much potential to be turned into something else. Like, the book itself, not a lot of stuff happens. Like, there is a lot of downtime. It is 59 (laughs) chapters, and honestly, I could edit it down to maybe 10, and that's being generous. There is... A lot of draggingness to this book. So this is a golden opportunity to expand and to enrich. And the way they decided to do that was to add tits and violence. And it's just like that didn't make any sense. And on top of it, pretty much detracted from the entire point of the book. That's the thing that gets me. It's like, if you're going to change things, change them with a purpose. Because like... The thing that got me, because my husband is an English major, I showed him the trailer. He started laughing, and he's like, this feels like a parody. And we started watching it. He literally walked out in the middle of the second episode. He's like, I cannot take this anymore. And he rage quits. Like, he will leave a show angry. And he did. Because it feels so gratuitous, the stuff that they added. Hmm. And the things that they added to me completely go against the intent of the book. Because, like, the whole point of the book is that you have Pip. And Pip, while his home life as a poor blacksmith apprentice, I mean, it's poor. But honestly, he's more or less content. And then he gets the opportunity to become a gentleman. And he is given money. And the whole point is that the money corrupts him. The money makes him think that he is better than the lowly poor people. His society and position makes him feel like he is superior. And then he finds out the source of that, realizes he's been a massive dick, and decides to let it go and go back to his better, poorer life. That is the point of the book. Charles Dickens grew up in sweatshops. He was very big on pointing out the corrupting power of people in power and people who have money. The fact that in the very first episode, Pip makes a point to say, I don't like being poor. I will never be a blacksmith. And then when he gets money, he never fits in. And when he gets to the point where he does not have that money anymore, he loses it instead of giving it up. It's like you've completely negated the entire reason for this book. And that's the main character. And then there's like Estella. The fact that Estella is being controlled by Habersham completely negates her purpose to the story. And that the thing that got me was like with Estella is that she's a bitch the entire way through. She tells Pip from the beginning, I can never love you because I have been trained that I never love men. 
And at the end, there's this epilogue that's like, well, actually, I do like you now. And I thought them changing her character was to make that epilogue make sense, which I hated the epilogue, but whatever. So to have them change her character and then at the end to not get together with Pip, it's like, well, what was the point of changing her character then? And also the whole point of having poor people and rich people both be bad and both have nefarious natures to them, again, completely misses the point of this book is supposed to show the disparity of morality between poor and rich. So it's like, what was the point of adapting Great Expectations if you're going to take everything about it and completely negate it? And that was my long ass rant. <laughs> I liked it. There was guns. <laughs> Thank you. My husband uh, also started watching it with me. And he lasted through the third episode. And then he tapped out. He said, this is not for me. This is not. No, this is wrong. He was upset that they revealed so early on to Pip that Havisham wasn't the source of the money. And so that negated the surprise can you surprise anybody with a 200 year old story sure a lot of people this could be a lot of people's first you have people wanting to watch it to help supplement their school book reports (laughs) doesn't everybody read this in seventh grade like that's what i did i did too but you know i didn't i don't remember it i don't really care because i don't really like this one that much i mean the story the like the original book i tried reading this book seven times well that's (laughs) the thing I don't like this book either. But if you're going to make an adaptation of something, you have to honor its core, at least in my opinion. If you're going to do it, honor its core. You can absolutely embellish and you can absolutely grow and you can make an active point to change something if you have a reason for it. Like the fact that they didn't have Hambersham die in a blazing fire, you know, I'm like, okay, I think I'm okay with that change because you're changing her character arc deliberately. Like literally when Pip gets to London with Jaggers and literally one of the first things Jaggers says is, you're with me because I'm evil. What the fuck? No, (laughs) what, why? Because how else do you survive London, Mindy? How else? (laughs) I did like Jaggers. I did like that character, but he did seem like he was from... Stephen Knight also did Peaky Blinders. And so if he felt more like he belonged in that kind of uh, show instead of this one, they all seem like big caricatures of Victorian characters. Well, it's what you said, Sarah. It's that it's not that he's just... A businessman. He's an evil businessman. (laughs) Literally one of the first things that he shows Pip is a dead body hanging in a judge's chambers. It's like, why are you going to this extreme? And he does it with everybody. He does it with Mrs. Joe. Where it's like, yes, in the book, she's a horrid bitch. But now she's a dominatrix. Okay, you're not going to add the scene with the character that smacks her over her head and makes her a vegetable for the rest of her life. But you are going to have a scene where she whips a dude (laughs) with a riding crop. It's like, what was the point of adding this scene other than to be like, ooh, sex sells. Fuck you. (laughs) No, it's to point out her own hypocrisy. But that's the thing is the hypocrisy is between economics. Not in this story. Not in this version, Mindy. (laughs) That's the thing. It's like, why adapt it if you're not going to follow the core? Because there's already 14 others, Mindy. There's already 14 others. Then why adapt it again? 
Because why not? So, Mindy, I don't often bring this up, but I will bring it up this one time and this one time only, and you can attack me right afterwards. <laughs> you don't watch that much TV. I watch different TV than what other people watch. That is true. You have the musical channel app, don't you? I have thought about getting it, yes, but I haven't actually got it yet. I okay. tend to go around it by watching them on YouTube, but yes. <laughs> I'm used to gratuitous HBO dramas or gratuitous Showtime dramas or gratuitous... FX dramas, they're way worse than this. So I didn't even notice the tits that much. And honestly, there's not that much violence. And even the evil acts the lawyer does, they're not that evil. He didn't kill a man. He blackmailed him into suicide. (laughs) To get his client off. That's just better call Saul. (laughs) Let's see. He's not Saul. He's a very respected lawyer and nobody fucks with him because he's good at his job, not because he's fucking evil. (laughs) (laughs) This guy had a heart. He did care about Pip. Yeah, this guy cared about Pip. You know, maybe to a fault. And when you're raised in the streets and you have to raise a kid, you raise them in the streets. (laughs) (laughs) Can I mention the actor, the lead actor, Finn Whitehead? Go ahead. When they changed the age, it was like so jarring. I was like, wait. Who is this kid? Why is he so ick? (laughs) But then he smiled once, and I thought, oh, that's why, because he's actually attractive when he, you know, can smile. But he's so cold, and he, like, shows hardly even his emotion when he tells someone he loves them. He's just, I didn't feel anything. He didn't seem like he loved Estella. And then, you know, he just didn't show any emotion. He was very cold. Well, I never thought he liked Estella. I thought that was just, like... He thinks he should. Well, again, that goes with the muddiness of the presentation. Like, in the book, it's from his POV, and he's talking about how he didn't realize why he liked her. It was essentially the, I like her because she's pretty, and I have this thing in my mind of, like you said, Doggett, that I should like her. And the fact that she keeps rejecting him and not at all caring about him makes me like, okay, this is the person I need to focus on because now it's the chase. And then realizing that that was stupid (laughs) as he got to the end of it when she just flat out is like, look, I told you from day one, I was never going to like you. The end. In this one, I think because Estella is portrayed as being this nebulous thing of I actually like you too I'm not in control of my senses I'm being controlled by the people around me it makes that portrayal unclear and it makes him come across as being very cold instead yeah I also don't think she liked him like that either in this one it very much goes into the I actually do like you does she or is it just what he can represent for her or just the idea of freedom in some ways almost I guess you could argue that. Or in actual 1700 standards, which is, which one of these men won't beat me if I marry them? <laughs> but then in the end, she ends up with Jaggers. It's like, okay, or I guess they're together. Yeah, well, and the thing about Estella is that Haversham is deliberately training her to be in control. Like, that is the whole point of her existence, is the you are my weapon of vengeance. You are going to be the overlord over every man you meet. So the fact in this, you have Haversham being the one being like, I'm in control, and I am controlling you, it doesn't make sense for that character. 
It completely negates her purpose and it completely negates the break in their relationship when Estella promptly turns on Haversham and is like, you taught me to be this overlord that doesn't love anybody that includes you. And it's just like, why did you change it if you weren't gonna... Respect the car! You sound like me when they showed Artemis Faust surfing. Well, going through that, and I know you talked a little bit about Finn Whitehead. Are there any other actors that you want to, like, point out either in the good or the bad direction? Joe's great. Yeah, I liked his portrayal. Yeah, that's Owen McDonald right there. I know a lot of people had high hopes for Olivia Coleman, which she was one of the things that was disappointing to me. And it wasn't her fault. It was just, like, Haversham is the most interesting part of the book. She's this crazy lady who wears her wedding dress to the point that it is literally rotting on her body. Her wedding cake is just covered in bugs and still in her room. She faded into the background in so many of the scenes. And I don't get how that's possible to have somebody as good as Olivia Coleman with a part that is so interesting to fade into the background. I've got to blame that on the director and the writer. Yes, absolutely. You know? It was like she was in another movie yes. or show. It was odd. It was very odd. I like Bashy. Bashy was pretty great. That's the actor that plays Jaggers. Ashley Thompson is his real name. Ashley Thomas. Yeah, but his stage name is Bashy. He was great. I love him and I hope I see him in other things. He was like the standout for me. I was scared every episode, so this is going to be the episode where they kill him, right? <laughs> like, you can't be the only black man in a predominantly white show a british white show and live at the end let's <laughs> just get this did. out of the way <laughs> and happily ever after it looked like because money doesn't bring you happiness there you go Mindy. don't don't <laughs> even try to put a bow on this one so since we got it full circle how about we go into final thoughts how about we start with you doggett well i'm not an english major and i don't do stage productions and the only charles dickens story i enjoy is a christmas carol and that's mainly because of the Flintstones Christmas Carol. <laughs> so maybe I'm not the right person to really subject an opinion on this. <laughs> but I do watch a lot of television. And a lot of <laughs> violent television. And a lot of violent British television. <laughs> yeah. And I gotta say, this one's alright. I didn't hate it. And I did enjoy it. I marathoned the entire thing today. Barely even felt it. I think <laughs> most of the actors are great. And yes, yes, the sister whips that man. But how else are you going to have the actor from uh, What We Do in the Shadows and not have something weirdly kinky involved? It's part of his contract, Mindy. That's just the politics of Hollywood. So I'm going to have to give this mm, 7 out of 10 slashes. And you, Sarah? Again, I didn't know going in that it was made by Tom Hardy, Ridley Scott, their company. But it looks like it. It looks like Taboo. And it definitely felt like an FX show. Like they took like a British nice thing and they said, let's get some sex and violence in there and like whip it up so it's for modern times. Again, you know, Finn Whitehead was okay. He was just kind of there. Like everyone is just kind of there except for Mr. Jaggers, Ashley Thomas, Bashy. I thought he was a standout again. I had high hopes because it's Stephen Knight. He wrote Dirty Pretty Things. He wrote Spencer. He's Peaky Blinders. But I don't know. I didn't love it. There were elements to it that I did love, but altogether, no. 
Let's just put it that way. So I'm just going to give this 5 out of 10 opium pipes. There's a lot of opium smoked in this thing. But only the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, pure. Yeah. And that kind of gets to my point that I've been hammering this entire review. It's very clearly an FX adaptation of Great Expectations. And you just got to go, why? There are things that I like and there are things that I don't like. And then there are the ones that make me angry. This one made me angry. I absolutely love taking something that is common domain or something that is well known and doing something new with it. That's literally one of my favorite genres is seeing what you can do with this character that people know at least the basics of and people know the basics of this story. But when you do that, it's important that you acknowledge the core. And if you are making changes, you make them that still honor that core and are deliberate. This one just felt like, okay, we have this property that's common domain and we're just going to add violence. We're going to add sex. We're going to make it edgy. We're going to make it extreme with an X and people are going to like it because it's extreme and gritty. And, and it's like, it's fucking Charles Dickens. <laughs> no. It, and the things that they did, as I have said repeatedly, completely negate the entire purpose of the characters and the entire purpose of the story. And why bother at that point? Make something original if you're going to do that. Don't do it under the guise of this is an adaptation. Because it's not. And that is what made me angry. And as I mentioned, I don't even like this book. So the fact that they made me angry that they didn't honor a book I didn't even like, that's a feat. I will say that the locations are gorgeous. That I will give it. They had a great cinematographer. But beyond that, like even the costumes, again, there were times where I felt angry. Because it's like, this goes against the character. Like, the fact that Estella had crazy hair, no. She would have been the most put together because, again, she's a tool of Hammersham. It's like, there are a lot of choices that were made that just, they go against the core of everything there. And that's just like, I can't get past that. So, I am going to give it one out of five blacksmith horseshoes because i will say i actually do believe owen mcdonald who plays joe literally did some blacksmithing and that kudos to you man you have a skill (laughs) well mindy since you did not like this so much can i recommend some shows for you to watch in the meantime how about a christmas carol oh produced by fx (laughs) 